This is the Southern Hills Church of God, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you and guides you and builds your faith. God bless and enjoy this message. Center Cross, we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit to move in us. We need the power of His Spirit to move in this church. This message today is simply walking in the power of the Spirit. 2 Kings chapter 2. If you go with me there, I'm going to read in just a moment, but to kind of give you just a little intro today, 2 Kings chapter 2 talks about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It talks about a double portion. And what we have to do to receive the double portion. You know, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is this right here. It's the presence of God. It is given as power to help me do God's work. Now, I want you to understand that. I'm going to read it again, and I I want that to sink in today. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is the presence of God given as power to help me do God's work. That's what the anointing is. I myself, in myself, I can't set people free. I can't loose those that are held in bondage, but the Holy Spirit can. Did you hear me? The Holy Spirit can. I can't loose it, but He can. God has called us to do this work, but it is a work we cannot do by ourselves. We cannot be a church without the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why when we're up on this stage that we sing about the power of His Spirit. That's why when we're up here that we talk about the blood of the Lamb because it is the blood that sets you and I free. A decision that was made when God sent His Son to die on a cross for you so that you wouldn't have to. It's when He sent His Spirit when He said there's another advocate that's going to come after me but I must go before He can come and the Spirit will be with you for all time that he will intercede for you that he will pray for you that he will be with you and that power has been unlocked in every single person inside this room we have access to walk in the power of his spirit We have access to the throne room. That's why I love that we don't have to go to a pastor. We don't have to go to a priest to let him know what we need to, what's in our heart. But rather we can come boldly into the throne room and speak to God himself. You see, there's, there's a couple words I want you to see that we must realize. The first word is pain. We live in a world that is in pain. We live amongst a body of people that are in pain. People are broken. They're bound. They are battered and bruised. And they need the hope that only Jesus can bring. The second word is power. Because of the condition of this world, God has given us the power of the Holy Spirit to loose those who are bound and heal those who are hurting and mend those who are bruised. And if that's happening in our midst, we are walking in the power of His Spirit. But the third word is there's a problem. Because if we don't see it, 
manifest inside this building, then something is wrong. If we don't see a healing take place, if we don't see a transformation take place, then there's something that we're doing that isn't in line with the Holy Spirit. And we have to sometimes check ourselves because word number four is maybe there's a lack of passion in the things of God. We must walk in the power of the Spirit. You see, there's a pathway for a double portion anointing for each of us. I want us to look at some principles that I believe are needed in the lifeblood of this church and your spiritual life that we must understand in order to walk in the power of His Spirit. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse number 1. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elisha, uh, Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. Stay here. The Lord has sent me somewhere else. And then Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, what's he say? I will not stay here I will not leave you. So they went down to um, Bethel. The company of the prophets there came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied. So be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied again, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went on to Jericho. The company, the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied. So be quiet. Then Elisha said to him again, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan." And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elisha took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see... Now I want you, if you have a pen and you take notes, to underline the word see. Because he's not talking about seeing with your natural eyes. He's saying something different here. Because I want, I want you to watch what comes next. He said, yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of the fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. He saw it in the spiritual realm. 
He did not see through his natural eyes, but because he had been obedient to what God had told Elisha to do, that he did not stay when he was told to stay. When he went, because that's what the Lord told him to do, that the Lord gave him a set of spiritual eyes so that when he could see what was happening, not in the natural, but in the spiritual, when he saw it come down and he took a hold of it, watch what happens. Elisha then picked up Elisha. Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? He asked when he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left and he crossed over. Now I want you to watch this. The company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. The pathway to the double portion. The pathway to walk in the power of the spirit. And I believe there's three words today that form the background that is necessary if we're to come into the double portion anointing that is needed in our day and time. And I honestly believe that the greatest days of this church are not behind us. Do you believe that? I believe the greatest days of this church are not behind us. The greatest days are right now. Unless we're wrong on our sense of timing, which I don't think we are, we are living in the last days. This is not a prophecy from Pastor Chris to his church. Turn on the news and watch what's going on. You're seeing it happen right before your very eyes. The end times are coming. And too many things are happening to make me be firm in this. The question that I want answered is how do we get to the place where we see the God of Elijah move in our midst again? How do we get that double portion anointing? How do we get to that place with that song that we just sang where we say, I'm not enough unless you come, would you meet with me again? What is this double portion and how can we get it? The first thing you've got to know is that we must be determined to see God's presence. There is a determination that we have to have. We must be determined. The Bible says that through much tribulation, we enter into the kingdom of God. I don't know why that is, but I think that God's trying to test us. You see, you have to decide that you want to get into the kingdom. What's the kingdom? The kingdom's not heaven. Listen to me. It is the dimension where the reign of Jesus Christ becomes real, touches your life to the degree that you receive the appropriation of the righteousness of God, which is in Christ Jesus. The kingdom is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And I want to get to that place where Christ is reigning inside of me. And if I'm ever going to get there, I must decide that I'm going to pray and I'm going to read his word and I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray again until my breakthrough comes I'm going to be determined that life will not pass me by without an encounter with Jesus I must be determined that life won't pass me by without experiencing Jesus but notice this once you decide to do that get ready Because all hell is going to break loose. You will encounter 
things after things after problems after situations that you might have never dreamed of. And this happens to you so that you'll pull back from the church and not commit to it anymore. You see burnout because we allow the heaviness of the problems to weigh us down and we don't ever get the relief that we can get through Jesus Christ. This is what the enemy wants to do to you and he wants to do to me. He wants to weigh us down so we can't handle it. What we have to do is make up our mind that I'm going to be determined and I'm going to press through regardless of what happens to me. This is determination. I am determined to see God in my life. If you do nothing else, you had better pray. Every time you move into a deeper dimension, you'll be attacked by the enemy. Every single time. Every time you take a step ahead, you'll be pressed to turn around. You see, the enemy doesn't like what you're doing. That's why you've got to press in. And by pressing in, what I mean is that you keep going regardless of what's going on around you. It's through much tribulation that you come into the kingdom of God. Listen, I talked about this Wednesday and it was part of my message that I had originally planned to speak today. But we also can't get casual with our relationship with Christ. What the enemy wants you to do, well, you can just go to church just when you want to. Oh, just raise your hand for a couple songs only when you want to. Give in the offering only when you want to. That's got to stop. And I'm sorry to be that way this morning, but the Holy Spirit came for to me to tell somebody today, it's time to stop being casual with your walk with God. It's time that we start rejoicing even when we don't want to. It's time to start praising God even when something's happening that we don't like. It's time that we stop being casual. We've got to pick up our Bible. We've got to read it. We've got to pray. What the enemy wants you to do is he wants to say just relax a little bit. It's okay if you miss every once in a while. I'm telling you it's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. And I'm passionate. You've got to listen to this pastor today. A long time ago, I had to learn to get off of my righteous high horse and come before the throne of God broken. To say, God, allow your Holy Spirit, allow your anointing to piece me back together. Because I can't do this without Him. I can't do this without Him. I must be determined that no matter what happens in my life, I will seek God. God, heal our hearts today. Oh, would you take a minute and just pray with me? God, heal our hearts today. Oh God. Oh God. I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry. If the problem is me, I'm sorry.
the determination of Elisha is being tested. You can stay at Gilgal if you want. But no, he wants to move on with you to Bethel. You can stay at Bethel if you want. But no, he wants to move on with you to Jericho. You can stay at Jericho if you want. There's a lot of nice things there. No, if you're going to Jordan, I'm going with you. Why was Elisha so determined to get the double portion of the anointing? Because he said, Elijah, you've got something that I don't have, and I'm dying to get it, and I want it so bad that I'm willing to go and do everything it takes to get it. I've got a hunger inside of me, a desire inside of me. I've got a fire that's burning hotter each day, and it's not satisfied with the same-o, same-o of my daily routine. I've got to have something different. I've got to walk in the power of His Spirit. We must be determined that regardless of what the situation is around me, that I set my foot down firm and I say I'm marching ahead. Whatever it takes. And I want you to come with me. Determination. The second thing that Elisha shows us in this story that we must know to be able to walk in the power of His Spirit we must be able to discern when to go and when to stay. Who was, Eli who, who was Elisha's teacher? Elijah. Who was Elisha supposed to listen to? Elijah. Did Elijah know that in order for Elisha to receive the double portion, he had to stay with him? Yes. Why then did he tell him to stay in Gilgal, in, to Bethel, to Jericho? Because he's testing how determined he really is. He's testing, can you discern what the Spirit is speaking to you? Because you got to understand, up until this time, um, um, you, you know, God has spoken to Elisha through Elijah. But Elijah needed him to know that if you want what I've got, you've got to be able to hear from God yourself. What is God testing here? His discernment. Because Elisha had to hear from God. Even if somebody as impressive as Elijah thinks he ought to pray, then he's got to know for certain in his spirit that God's saying, go on even when I tell you to stay. You see, Elijah knew. He knew he wasn't telling him to stay because he just wanted him to stay. He was telling him to stay because I want to know, are you hearing from God? So Elisha, every time said, no, I'm not staying, but I'm going with you. You see, there's, there's a tension that's kind of here. And if Elijah is Elisha's teacher and mentor, who then should Elisha be submitting to? He ought to be submitting to Elijah, even when he tells him to stay. But I want you to see this. Elisha doesn't obey him. Is he still submitted? Yes, even to a greater degree now, because now he's got to, he has permission to hear God speak and do what God says to do. He says, sir, I hear what you're telling me to do. I know you're asking me to stay but I need you to understand I submit to a higher calling I submit to my Lord Jesus Christ and he's telling me to go so no matter what you tell me to do I'm determined to see it through 
I'm not trying to disrespect you, Elijah. You see, you're at a level with God that I'm not at yet. And I've, I've got to know if I can get there. That's why I can't just leave you and let you get out of my sight. I've got to go with you. And I respect you. I respect you. I love you. But the Lord told me to go, so I'm going to go. When he gets to Bethel, who meets him there? The sons of the prophets. So he, he says, God has shown us something. I'm glad to see you, boys. You see, I'm I'm really glad to see you here. And 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 hey, let's not tell them what's really going on here because we want to see it happening right before our very eyes. These prophets are like, just hang on, boys. Something great's about to happen. I want you to watch what happens. Elijah had a mantle. Elijah had a mantle, and typically this was passed down from the dad to the oldest son. Jesus wore one of these, and the woman, and when the woman touched the hem of his garment, she was healed. It's this mantle. You know, so they're in Gilgal, and Elijah stands up and says that God has called him to go to Bethel. He tells, he prays, begs, whatever it is, Elisha to stay. And Elijah says, As surely as the Lord lives and you live, I will not leave you. So Elijah and Elisha, I want you to get this, okay? Because this this isn't just a trip to me. I love numbers. So I love looking at these numbers. And, and the trip that they were on was 13.7 miles long and about three to 4,000 feet up the mountain, head, and they were headed west. We're going to go up the mountain and down the mountain into Bethel. But before they can even rest, Elijah's going to turn and say, I can't stay here. The Lord's spoken to me and go to Jericho. Well, unless you've got a map sitting in front of you, you don't know where that's at. Look, they had to travel back the same route all the way back up the mountain, back to where they started, because Jericho's on the other side. Jericho's on the other side, so now they've traveled 26.7 miles up and down the mountain twice. They barely sit down, and they head 6.5 miles more. And then he says, well, we can't stop here. we got to go to Jordan. And so they had put all this mileage for a total of 33.2 miles walking by foot in one day. Think about it. And when they get to Gordon... Um, when they get to um, uh, Jordan, Elijah takes off his mantle. He rolls it up and he hits the Jordan, this cloak. And what, when, when he does, the waters part. And he walks across on dry ground. They get to the other side and Elijah says to Elisha, Why did you come? I want the double portion. You've asked a hard question. But if you see me, see me. If you can see with spiritual eyes what's going on when my mantle falls, pick it up. But if you've not gotten to the place in your relationship with God where all you see is just your natural eyes, if you can't see with your spiritual eyes, you won't see me and the mantle's going to pass you by. Elijah says you must see me. I hope you get that today. Because we are in battle. Even though you don't see a fight breaking out in this room, in the heavenlies, there's spiritual warfare going on. 
And all the enemy wants to do is to rob us of our joy, rob us from walking in the power of his spirit. We must be able to get on our knees in warfare, seeing with our spiritual eyes, praying to God so that we can release these angels. Because remember, we have access to the throne room and see the angels fight on our behalf. We've got to have this. The chariot comes between them, picks up Elijah, tumbling down from heaven's the mantle. Elisha rips his clothes, wraps himself in the mantle, goes back to the Jordan, rolls it up, hits it, says, where is the Lord God of Elijah? The sons of the prophets see this, and Elisha goes home. I had a question. Why didn't Elijah get a, get, get a, um, a better route? Why did he have to go all the way to this place, back step all the way here, go to somewhere else, and then go all the way to the Jordan. Why couldn't God just send them directly to, to uh, the Jordan? Because I believe there was something that God and Elijah were trying to teach Elisha during the journey. I want you to listen. Their first stop, what happened in, in um, Gilgal? In Joshua chapter 5, they crossed the Jordan with the Ark of the Covenant, and they came and camped at Gilgal. The Jordan is now behind them. And when they come across, God speaks to Joshua and says, By the way, all the men that came out of Egypt were circumcised, but the a generation born in the wilderness have not been. So make sharp knives and get this done. Gilgal is the place where God met Israel and imposed on them again the covenant he gave to Abraham. The second thing that happened there was the Passover, the celebration. They celebrated Passover when they came out of Egypt. They, they, this is all about the lamb and the blood and the protection from a warrior angel. Number three, the manna ceased at Gilgal. Every day for all those years they had eaten manna after manna. Manna fell every day. They ate from the hand of God. Their clothes did not wear out. They lived in the age of miracles. Now they come into the land and God says no more. From this point on, you've got to plow. You have to plant. You have to cultivate. You have to reap. What is Elisha learning? That this isn't just going to be just a bunch of cupcakes. You're going to have to plow. You're going to have to work. It's going to be tough, but you've got to die to your flesh, apply the blood, and use your relationship with God to touch people other than yourself. That's what happened at Gilgal. They moved on to Bethel. And we encounter Bethel very early in the, in, the, in the Bible. You have Jacob who's taking a journey. The night catches him and he makes a bed. He gets a rock for a, a pillow and has a dream. He dreams of a ladder and where he's sleeping. And it reaches all the way to heaven. God's at the top of the ladder and what's happening? Angels are going up and angels are coming down. He names the place Bethel, which means house of God. Jacob says this is a great place, an awesome place that God is in this place you have the house of God it's a place where you become aware and open to the spiritual dimension what is God trying to teach Elisha that after you die to your flesh and after you apply the blood and after you use the gifts I gave you to touch somebody else then you need to understand that when you get to that point you now have access to my angels and you're going to be able to see miracles you see when when Jesus came and he said, when you're born again, you'll see the kingdom of God. All my life, I thought that meant that when I die, I just go to heaven. And we know that's true, but let me tell you what he meant in that moment. 
Jesus was saying that when you're born of the Spirit and God's life touches your life, you become alive. And when that happens, another set of eyes will come open inside of you. And then you'll be able to discern good and evil. You'll know right from wrong. You know the difference in a heaven and hell. You see, Bethel is that dimension that opens you up to the reality that there is another place called heaven. But they can't stop there. They go on to Jericho and see you can't stay in Gilgal forever. You can't stay in Bethel forever. There comes a time where you've got to move on to Jericho. What happens there? You see, what happens there is you learn that you release the power of God when the enemy makes a stand against you. You see, we live in a world right now where churches and people abound where there are walls that must come down. And Jericho, he's learning about spiritual warfare. He's learning that when you accept this double portion anointing, you've got to understand there will be warfare that takes place. When you accept the double portion, there will be battles that you have to fight in the spiritual. So Joshua's outside this place. Nobody's coming in or going. He sees a man with a sword drawn. He goes to the man and says, are you on our side or their side? Now, if he has a sword, what you say he was? A warrior. A sword in his hand, what's he getting ready to do? Make war. So I've got to ask, are you on my side or are you on their side? And he says, neither one. I'm not the one that's going to have to choose sides. Well, who are you? I'm the captain. I'm the commander. I'm the chief of Jehovah God's army of angels. You have an army made in the natural, but I've got one in the spiritual. You see, there was more than just one army on Jericho that day. The ground where you're standing, see, is holy ground. So Joshua took off his shoes, and what happened? He fell to his face, and he worshiped. Was it an angel? Angel, yes, but an angel's not supposed to receive worship. Well, then who is this angel? It's the angel of the Lord. It was a pre-incarnate and angelic manifestation of Jesus. You see, Jesus is always the key to your breakthrough. Joshua is there at Jericho to march on the natural. But when he goes into battle, it's no longer a battle in the natural. But rather the angels of God are coming in to tear the walls down. So the Jericho principle is we become so in tune with God in Bethel. That we begin to move with God to do spiritual warfare against the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this world. So why does Elisha have to go on this specific path? He said, I need you to die to your flesh. I need you to apply the blood. I need you to come into the house of God, um, Bethel. I need you to understand that you have access to my angels. And then I need you to understand that when you receive the anointing, warfare's coming and you've got to be able to fight. No, I'm with you. He was determined to find God. He was able to discern when he was to go and when he was to say. But there was another part of his journey. And it brings me to my last point. Hang with me for just a couple minutes. I know I'm probably running just a little over. But hang with me. There's something I want you to see. He was determined. He was able to discern. But then he realized death. What happened at Jordan 
Jordan is the place of crossing over from one dimension to another. Jordan represents the old and the new, death and life. Elijah's going home to be with the Lord, so what's he do? He symbolically crosses Jordan. Listen, you've got to have the determination to find God. You have to be able to discern whether to go or whether to stay. And then you have to die to yourself so that Jesus can live in you. The Jordan principle is you've got to cross over. Give up ownership of your life. Give yourself totally to Christ. And never look back. They go across Jordan and Elijah tells Elisha, if you see me. What's that require? Seeing not with natural, but he needed to see with spiritual. Spirit horses. Chariots of fire driven by what? Angels. All the spiritual. And suddenly he sees it. Picks, he picks Elijah up, takes him home. Elisha takes the mantle that has come down from heaven. And he in that moment realized, I died in my flesh. I have applied the blood of Jesus to my life. Lord, I see the spiritual. And Lord, I want you to live in me. So he picks up the mantle, rips his clothes, splashes it on the water. And the Jordan splits its right to its left. Elijah participated in seven miracles, only initiated five. Elisha actually initiated ten, a double portion. Elijah's ministry lasted 27 years. Elijah, 52 years. A double portion. They didn't live in miracles all the time. The double portion anointing is an anointing that gives us boldness to stand in the face of a world that is decaying and becoming increasingly corrupt. Even if there is a Jezebel spirit staring you in the face... We have the ability to walk in the power of His Spirit. What am I saying today? I want you to listen to this preacher. And I'm going to close. I fall prey to this as well. But we've got to kick it into high gear. We must be determined to see God move in this church. We must be determined to see God move in our home. We must be determined to see God work in us. We must be able to, be, to discern when God's speaking to us. Elijah said, I'm coming with you because you've got something I don't. And then we must die and cross over Jordan so that we can begin to see with our spiritual eyes. Can I say something? This world... Needs Jesus. We need him to do it again. Do it again, Lord. And would you do it in me? Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Would you do it in me? Are you determined to see the move of God in your life, in your home? Can you hear the Spirit speaking? And are you willing to die to yourself so that Jesus can live in you?
If that's you today, I pray that you make your seat an altar. And for the next couple minutes, we begin to pray, God, do it again, do it again, do it in me. I'm ready to see God. I'm tired of this world hurting and pain. I'm tired of seeing hatred. I'm tired of seeing people in homes being torn apart. I'm tired of sickness. I'm tired of it all. I'm tired. And Brother Moore, we need God. Do it in me. Do it in me. Would you take the next couple of minutes to use your seat as an altar and pray for God to do it again.